It's Tuesday, July 9th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, there's growing controversy over federal agencies using driver's license picks and facial recognition technology. We'll explain why lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are up in arms. Then, the Trump administration wants prescription drug companies to advertise their prices. A federal judge says, not so fast. We'll give you the details. And finally, how new tech is creating confusion in the courtroom. Insert facepalm emoji. We're here to make your Tuesday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Third Love. The most complicated story today is about your crappy driver's license photo and how federal agents are asking states to get a look at your ID. Researchers at Georgetown University found that U.S. government agencies, the FBI, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement have analyzed millions of people's driver's license photos without their consent. Politicians on both sides of the aisle have been freaked out about this for a while, and now they're telling federal law enforcement to stop looking at our faces. We're going to get into what this study actually found and why the study and facial recognition tech in general is sparking bipartisan outrage. So, of course, the FBI has used facial recognition technology for years to track down criminals, to compare pictures of suspects to photos of criminals they had on file. But the more photos you have to compare, the more likely you'll get a match. So the FBI struck deals with some state and local authorities to get access to their databases too. And as you can imagine, the DMV is a treasure trove of pics, not always great ones. To be clear, Congress never gave the okay for them to get the ID photos. Neither did lawmakers in any state legislatures. But officials in 21 states plus DC have allowed the FBI to scan their driver's license databases. Since 2011, the FBI has searched federal and local databases, including some state DMVs, 390,000 times. The FBI has to show this is for an actual investigation, but we're not talking about just killers on the loose. Sometimes they're only after low-level suspects, like people who stole checks. In 2017, researchers at Georgetown Law Center of Privacy and Technology asked every state in the U.S. how their DMVs responded when the federal government asked for pics. Many states weren't too helpful, but Utah, Vermont, and Washington state gave the researchers their data. Turns out, those states weren't just getting photo search requests from the FBI. They were also coming in from Immigration and Customs Enforcement, the agents in charge of tracking down and possibly deporting undocumented immigrants. That part was new. Those three states are also among more than a dozen states that allow undocumented immigrants to get driver's licenses. They even encourage it. Because they say it's safer for everyone on the road if undocumented immigrants who are driving anyway get properly trained. So undocumented immigrants are signing up for the licenses, like the state encourages them to, without realizing that they're also giving ICE agents access to their photos. To be clear, in some cases, they were doing this without a court order or warrant. The things police need to access a suspect's personal information according to the Fourth Amendment. According to the study, sometimes all it took was ICE agents shooting someone at the DMV an email saying, is this cool? Okay, thanks. The director of the Georgetown study called this a scandal. Immigration advocates are concerned the government could be using these photos to crack down on undocumented immigrants, not just criminals. But here's the other big problem. 
Facial recognition tech is notoriously unreliable, which means ICE could be searching through driver's license photos and misidentifying citizens or legal residents as undocumented immigrants. Also, facial recognition tech specifically has trouble correctly identifying people of color. Some state officials say they've quit handing over DMV photos to federal agencies. Vermont says they stopped in May 2017. A spokesperson for Washington State Governor Jay Inslee says its licensing agency hasn't received a request since 2017, and that since last year, all requests must come via court order. Since the study came out this week, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle in Congress have been up in arms. They're saying this practice is a breach of people's privacy. The chair of the House Oversight Committee, Elijah Cummings, has been outspoken about this. At a committee hearing in May, Cummings said he's worried that police are using facial recognition technology in other ways, like to find and arrest protesters. You could be at a rally supporting gun, gun rights or protesting uh, gun violence. You could be marching for the right to life or a women's right to choose. The top Republican on that committee, Jim Jordan of Ohio, continued Cummings' thought on NPR this morning. The government's not allowed to walk into that rally and, and walk up to people and say, hey, show me your ID. But they're not allowed to walk in there and pull out the, the, the pad and say, put your finger here. I want to get your fingerprint. They're not allowed to do that. But if they have a camera, a remote camera, scanning everyone's face, they can know who attended what kind of rally. And that chilling impact on free speech and on First Amendment liberties is what scares me to death. So what's the skim? Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have had it with facial recognition tech lately, which isn't just used by the federal government. It's also used by private companies to market to customers. One bipartisan bill in the Senate calls for banning facial recognition by companies unless people explicitly agree to have their face scanned. Representative Cummings has proposed banning federal agencies from using this tech altogether until Congress figures out how to regulate it. And he's called for investigating the agreements between federal and local authorities that have allowed them to share photo databases. This topic is also going to dominate a congressional hearing tomorrow. The House Committee on Homeland Security is hearing from DHS about how they're using facial recognition software somewhere else entirely, on the border with Mexico. Coming up, side effects of a new court decision may include another guessing game on the price of prescription drugs. That's next. Fact. It's hard to find a bra that fits right. That's why we like Third Love. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with a perfect fit and premium feel. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash skim this now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash skim this for 15% off today. Back in May, the Trump administration announced a new rule to try to curb rising prescription drug costs by making companies put the price of the drugs in their TV ads. It was supposed to go into effect today, but yesterday, a federal judge screwed the cap back on. Let's back up. Prescription drug prices have been skyrocketing in the U.S. Americans pay more per year for prescription drugs than any other developed country. So there's been a bipartisan push in Washington to get these costs down. One kind of roundabout way is through ads. There are a lot of drug ads. 
The average American sees nine commercials for direct-to-consumer prescription drugs every day. And patients are more likely to ask their doctor for those brand-name drugs, even without knowing how much they cost. The Trump administration was trying to shame drug companies into lowering their prices by making them list the prices in their TV commercials. You know, like, side effects may include a $500 price tag. Here's Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar explaining the policy back in May. If a drug company is afraid that their prices are so excessive and abhorrent that they will scare patients away from using their drugs, well, they ought to look inside themselves and think about whether they should be lowering their prices. Drug companies were less than thrilled. Three of the major U.S. pharma companies sued last month to block this HHS rule. Merck, Eli Lilly, and Amgen said it violates their First Amendment rights and could confuse consumers since their insurance often pays for some of that list price. In the ruling yesterday, the federal judge in D.C. didn't go the First Amendment route. But he did say the HHS doesn't have the authority to regulate drug companies. That power lies with Congress. And Congress has been working on it. Last summer, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley and Illinois Senator Dick Durbin led a bipartisan effort to pass a provision in the Senate that was very similar to the HHS rule. Earlier this spring, they said they were still working to get the rule put in place. Some patient advocate groups like Patients for Affordable Drugs have been skeptical that advertising a price tag would actually lead to lower prices. But the AARP called the judge's ruling a step backward, saying that transparency in pricing is important. This isn't over. HHS said they're consulting with the Justice Department on what to do next, and the Trump administration could appeal the decision. We want to talk now about Ross Perot. Perot died this morning at his home in Dallas at the age of 89. You may remember that name connected to George H.W. Bush's unsuccessful 1992 re-election campaign. Perot ran as an independent and was basically Bush's buzzkill. So, who was Perot? Ross Perot was a self-made billionaire from Texas. He was a successful IBM salesman and then started two tech businesses that he eventually sold for billions of dollars. He used some of that wealth to transition into politics in kind of controversial ways. He funded efforts to free U.S. hostages in conflict zones. One time, he paid for a small army to rescue two of his own employees from an Iranian prison. But he's best known for that 1992 presidential run, one of the most successful third-party campaigns in history. He was anti-trade, anti-globalism, and for small government. Am I in this for the long haul? Yes. Do I intend to campaign to the better end? Yes. Perot took 19%, skimming votes from both of the other candidates. He's credited with helping Bill Clinton win the presidency. So basically, whenever a third-party candidate throws their hat in the ring, people start talking about Ross Perot. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you about emojis. It turns out that emojis aren't just flooding your feeds. They started coming up in court cases as evidence. One count found that in 2017, emojis were entered into the record in 33 cases. That number rose to 53 cases in 2018. 
and it's already at about 50 so far this year. Apparently, this is causing a bit of a headache. There aren't clear guidelines on whether or not judges should allow emojis to be entered as evidence in trials. It's easy to understand why. Is it a smiling pile of poop or chocolate ice cream? Is a text with an eggplant, a peach, and a cucumber sexual harassment or a grocery list? And some emojis look different on different devices. A gun emoji can look like a pistol or a water gun. That's a pretty important difference. The jury is still out, literally. Gavel down, shrug emoji. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.